Okay, well, geez, I keep uh, I keep postponing it just for silly reasons, but um, again, I've been I've been researching hot and heavy. This is going to be a, um, an ongoing topic about what's missing in mindfulness, meditation, samadhi, and the practice. What's missing in the practice in the West? So I just had a real surprise, a little awakening. So I'm driving home, and I'm like, it kind of just you know struck me. It's simpler than I've been going after. Um, but then I got home and I got sidetracked because I wanted to see if it's just me again. I don't want it to be an echo chamber. Is it just me that sees it this way? So I put up a little post and then somebody made a little post and, and I'm sure this is what's funny. I'm sure they were trying to be all zen and cool, but even if they weren't, it's perfect. The response is empty and that's exactly it. The, the practice is empty and driving the wife to work this morning, uh, we were talking about, so we have a local temple. It's a Pure Land temple. It's actually Pure Land slash Chan, but it took us months to even find out because they are holy, if not, um, well, I should say, they are majorly, if not wholly, um, Pure Land, uh, very little uh, Chan. And we were talking about how, um, yes, I understand that you're uh, chanting the Amitabha, you're chanting the Amitabha Buddha's name. Um, you're listening to yourself chant. You're visualizing Buddha. You are, uh, and I misspoke, said to the wife, you are the Amitabha Buddha, but you're not. What you are is you're visualizing yourself on the lotus seat in Pure Land, in Sukhavati, in Amitabha's um, heaven, because it's the closest, uh, the easiest to get to, okay, um, that's, right, but that's exactly it, but it's the easiest for most people, if you do it right, and that's the whole story here, the teaching should be complete, you are amitofoing, uh, and nothing but amitofo, right, and it could take a lifetime to get all 10 of those amitofos right, but as I said to the wife, practice, upaya, efficient means, special means, it's depending on the person. And for me, I was absolutely unable to sit. And the reason why I was unable to sit is I was tormented. I suffer from um, a complex PTSD is what it's known today. But I also, you know, I had uh, a traumatic... Uh, um, I had a knock on the noggin a few times growing up, uh, one very early, um, pretty intense one. And not that it really caused me any major issues, possibly some, um, but, uh, well, possibly uh, inflammation and then just, you know, uh, difficulty in concentration. Who knows, some sort of uh, ADD before that stuff was was diagnosed. Um, but little things like getting off track, like what you just saw there. Um, so I'm coming home, and I wanted to um, it, just do it. it. You know, just instead of talking about, you know, jhana, yoga, uh, yajana, uh, dhyana, chan, and all that jazz, just talk about what's missing. And like I said, got distracted, posted on the social medias. Someone responded, because I just posted. I didn't say what my personal feeling is. Uh, in a sense, I did because I talked about yoga, and this is a well-known thing. So is meditation when it initially came to the West. 
So yoga and meditation, when it initially came to the West, out of the colonies in like Burma and, you know, Myanmar and such. So Theravadan. Uh, again, and uh, in a tradition where they didn't usually teach the lay people, but if they did teach the lay people, it was arguably just calmness or just how to give them a little peace, a little relaxation, that idea. And we can see that in the West, because in the West, meditation is absolutely seen as a calmness or a meditation is for relaxation. It's, you know what I mean? It can be for focus, right? Um, so this is where it gets kind of different, right? So I'm coming home and I wanted to talk about my own personal experience. This is what I've come to realize. Because I've been a Buddhist for hmm, over 30 years now, um, I've gone through an entire life uh, and seen perspectives as a Buddhist. And 30 years ago, I never used to even tell people I was a Buddhist. Honestly, I even still get some weirdness um, right when they ask you about your religion. So in the military, there was, there's not even, in Canada 30 years ago, there was no category for uh, Buddhism as a religion. So... Not something you would normally talk about. So I saw Western medicine, Western everything from a Western perspective. The same idea that uh, the, the Asians uh, see in a Westerner. So they're possibly a little hesitant to teach, but when, in no small part, it's because they believe not only do we not understand their culture, but we also might possibly be whitewashed, brainwashed, however you want to say it, into believing the white paradigm of all this stuff right but here's me definitely steeped in in a different tradition from a very very young age so i'm seeing things from this different perspective um and so i got sick i got an actual disease that caused me to have essentially it's not uncommon you have say an auto-inflammatory something like uh, the example i give for most people are familiar with is lupus so imagine a disease that has so many different symptoms, and you know doctors, right? They're just, they're trying to, arguably now they just mask symptoms, but neither here nor there. So they look and they trace back from the symptom. If you can't trace back from the symptom when, you know, it affects nearly every part of your life and every part, it's really hard. And... um as I said, traumatic brain injury and complex uh, PTSD from a number of traumas in my life. Oh, sorry, that's what complex PTSD means. It just means that you've had a number of traumas over your life. And the way it works is they build upon each other because that's the way it works, right? A trauma is designed to teach you, uh, say you're walking in the woods without a sharp stick and a saber-toothed tiger jumps out. If you survive that, it's so traumatic that likelihood of you going for a stroll in the woods without a sharp stick... It's pretty small. But they build upon it. So if you went in the bush and you got jumped by a shaver tooth, eventually you'll be afraid of going into the bush. I mean, that's the way this theory works. Right? So I went through all the protocols. Um, tried almost all the pills. In fact, I think we tried them all except for one, arguably at the time. This is probably, I don't know, a number of years ago um, because they gave up a number of years ago. But we'll get to that. So as they went through... Um, trying all the different protocols to deal with outwardly what looked like just a kid uh, or an, an adult. And I say kid. Uh, this is going back decades. What you're looking at is is, uh, is a person with you know depression or anxiety or whatever the the protocol at the, this, the at the time. And there was all these pills to throw in all these different pills. 
you know, none of that shit worked for me. And eventually I progressed and I started to realize, you know, eating well and exercise. And he did mention this sort of stuff. And the idea of meditation and me being a Buddhist, I'm like, hey, let's get on this. So he hooked me up, my doctor hooked me up with a lady who taught cognitive-based therapy. There's also mindfulness-based therapy, that's, but that's come out since. Um, and I've done a lot of this stuff too, because most of this stuff is available online. It's as simple as a book and each book has its own protocol. So it's as simple as this. Cognitive-based therapy, uh, mindfulness-based therapy for depression, for mindfulness, and meditation itself as well, is they fixate on one thing. So, for example, as I was coming home, I was thinking about this. So what they do is they'll tell you to just stay relaxed, right? So that'll be one protocol. And a different protocol will be, okay, so think about your anxiety. Like the uh, lady one anxiety is, is it, an, exa an example I gave her was standing at the corner here. This is a pretty busy city. Standing at the corner and everyone's looking at you. You can feel very self, um, what do you call it? Uh, Self-conscious, right? And I can tell you firsthand that sitting and thinking about the fact that, oh, okay, I'm at the corner and I'm self-conscious and there's no reason to be self-conscious. That didn't help me. All that did was serve to make you more self-conscious, more anxious, more nervous because you're attaching to that, right? So meditation, mindfulness, the calming aspect of meditation, samadhi, the insight aspect of meditation, um, uh, vipassana, uh, are not separate, you can't just go, well, let me see here. I shouldn't be anxious because this is just silly. Uh, you know, this root will go. You you can, but you also, when you start to get anxious, you need to bring in the samatha, okay? Which is the calming. So this is what you need to do and this is what's missing from the West. It's the same in yoga. It's the same in meditation, samadhi. It's empty because it's incomplete. Okay? Meditation is not just calming. It's not just insight, meaning, you know, looking at what is this thought that arises. And, you know, it's both. And that's what's missing in the West. So cognitive-based therapy will tell you to sit and think on your anxieties without telling you you need to be calm. And understanding that you need to switch between the two. And the reason why I say this is I even see Thai monks with supposed lineage over here saying, well, I don't really teach Samatha. That's not my bag. I'm more of a Vipassana guy. What? What? I have gone back to the Buddha, to the Abhidharma, um, to, uh, to the Chinese scholars of the, the 5th century, 5th, 6th century, and um, and nowhere does it say it's one. It's one thing. It's it's whatever needs to be, but it's a complete. So if you're going to sit, or if you're going to walk, or if you're going to focus, that's what you're doing. You need these toolkits. So you can't just say, just sit. When you sit, you sit. When you walk, you walk. Well, what happens when you're walking and you have a thought comes in? You can't attach to it like some will say, well, we'll just uh, see where it arises from and then watch it go. Well, what if I lose focus? Well, pay attention to your breath. Eee, but isn't that focusing on clash itself, on focusing on, uh, you know, 
like you're actually kind of, you know, attaching to the body itself. So it should be just calming the mind. Thought comes up, where does this come from? If it causes any sort of klesha, any sort of emotion, any sort of reaction, watch it arise, watch it fall away. You use calming shamatha to keep yourself calm, no arising, no leakage. You use insight for where you need to, but it's not one or the other. It's a middle way, just like the Buddha taught. Just like I was mentioning that I learned recently the Buddha himself during his 21-day period where he was, uh, I call it his, his, his samadhi experience by the Bodhi tree. He lived on hemp grain, hemp seed, which has the perfect balance of omegas in nature, which, by the way, helps with anxiety and depression. Good omega fats. Too much Omega-3, meaning a fat that is stripped of its perfect balance. Too much omega-3 in your diet can strip omega-3 from your cell walls. Whereas a good balance of omega-3, 6, and 9, I guess we're uh, one of the only places you can get that balance. And one of the only places you can get 9, omega-9, is from the hemp plant, cannabis plant. Um... It's pretty much the same plant because back in India it would have been cannabis. And there's a tradition that they used cannabis. But the perfect balance of not just the, uh, the omega fats, but also protein to fat to fiber and, uh, and carbs. Right? Because that's what he taught. After touring India for six years, he found all the aesthetics, that's people who renounced everything and living on almost nothing, starvation rations. He found that path wanting. He found, obviously, the path of uh, great wealth and, and ostentatious uh, living to be wanting because he had renounced that at 29. So he uh, argued for a middle way. A middle way in all things. So a middle way in eating even, as I said with the hemp. And I go right back to the meditation. He was arguing for a middle way in all things. That means you use both shamadi, uh, samatha, sorry, you use shamatha and vipassana for samadhi. You're not going to achieve it on its own, arguably, uh, unless you are well advanced, there are aspects where you know you and some people believe that vipassana um, is the direct. But I don't see that in my research. I may be wrong, but I argue what's missing in the West in meditation, mindfulness, samadhi, uh, cognitive-based therapy, uh, mindfulness-based therapy. Um, what's missing is a balance. What's missing uh, leaves uh, the practice empty. And I say what's missing is uh, a balance of both the calming and the insight. And the actual Buddhist root, uh, because it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't even have to be spiritual, certainly not religious. Um, because you need to teach people the non-self, because when we fixate on self, it causes suffering, right? You don't have to teach people to uh, destroy their ego because, again, this whole path 
it's an unattainable uh, goal, um, what they say uh, in tech, uh, it's like a moonshot. Um, you aim for higher than you could ever imagine you can get to because where you land will be further than you would have thought possible. So it's the same thing here, okay? But the goal is to have the right tools in place. And I argue that we're not giving people a complete toolkit. We need to teach people that samadhi comes from an understanding of not just our own existence and the nature of all things, but it's also an understanding of what you need to do to, to arrest this uh, arising of all things, um, and at the same time, understand and accept what does um, come and go, right? And as I said, Samatha, Shamatha, and Vipassana, plus the three, uh, I'd say, pillars of Buddhism of uh, impermanence, nothing lasts. That's how it makes good things better and it makes bad things less painful. Uh, Non-self and suffering. Those three essential truths. Um, if you know that suffering is, is, is a guarantee, but you know there's a way out. Um, acceptance becomes easier, knowing impermanence, non-self, and suffering is uh, is a guarantee. I mean, it's just a it's a complete package, right? So once again, that simple answer derailed me for a moment, but brought me right back to where I was thinking. Um, right, meditation in the West, what it's missing from my own experience. Um, them treating anxiety uh, with cognitive based um, therapy it was missing what was missing was the complete aspect and I argue in some of the Buddhist practices uh, it's missing uh, if you don't have a complete as I said there isn't one way for everybody you can teach the easiest way but what if it isn't for you what if you need to do mindfulness all the time oh and I forgot to even mention what brought me to this so this week, in, in uh, the spirit of metta, a loving kindness, uh, last week we saw a little kitten in the park. And so the, uh, I know, silly me. I went back and checked and looked for the little dude. Took me uh, over a week, but I finally found him and got him. Brought him home and he's been here for a couple days. So here's me, I come home, drop of the wife, and as I said, I was coming home and I was going to do the podcast, talking about what I was going to originally talk about, and we'll talk about that in another um, podcast. But what I wanted to come home was to talk about my experience um, when they were treating what they thought was anxiety, depression, but as I said, it was an auto-inflammatory disease. What they thought was anxiety or depression. Um, so I came home and I put on, turned on the water. I make myself uh, my gong fu tea. I drink lots of tea. Um, keeps me, uh, uh, you know, flushing water through my system and, and it forces me to drink water. I don't know. It's a long story. So put on some hot water for some nice tea. It's an upper level. Uh, it's like my fourth, fifth, sixth um, infusion. So it was about three and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes three and a half uh, minutes and so I decided to go see the little dude he's in the bedroom still we haven't introduced him to the other cats 
And I spent quite a while. I wasn't even counting. wasn't even paying attention. In fact, I honest forgot about my tea. But I knew I couldn't stay with it, dude. I was thinking, oh, you could stay with him. But something had me leave. And um, I was getting a little warm, so I took off my shirt and hung it up. And then went into the kitchen two seconds before the timer went off. And I do this all the time. If, if it happened once in a blue moon, but say three quarters of the time I'm there within a few seconds or I know what time you know there should be like 10 seconds left and I argue that's a zen that's a chan idea right what we were talking about and it's all one route go back to the Bhagavad Gita it's uh, yoga is the practice towards moksha nirvana samadhi right yayana Yanya Yanya is also the practice itself. Dhyana is the meditation pose, which became Chana in China, became Chan, Zen in Japan, So in Korea, Tian in Vietnamese. Don't quote me on the Korean and the Chinese. Uh, Vietnamese, I didn't even look them up. But yeah, so I argue it's missing uh, in the West and in the East to a certain degree, depending on the tradition, because it should be a balanced approach, a middle way, right? Not just calming, not just insight, not just sitting, not just standing, not just walking, but all or some or whatever works for you, efficient means, right? So that's about it. Um, yeah, well... I hope you're having a fabulous day. And thanks for listening to my rants.